Welcome to the Footy Museum and the Footy Museum Podcast. It is that time of week where we provide our uninformed and unsolicited or unsolicited and uninformed opinions about this week's world in football. And my name is Justin Woody. I'm co-director of the Footy Museum, and I am joined, as always, by the other co-director of the Footy Museum, Maria Van Dyke and Lee. Maria, how are you today? I'm okay. Yeah? Just I'm okay. all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> keep, keeping it together. Yeah. As always. That's good. <laughs> well, it's been a great week for U.S. soccer. Do you know what this is? Is that the Open Cup trophy? That is the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open <laughs> Cup trophy, a 110-year-old uh, competition trophy. It's one of the oldest, longest-running, continuously-running competitions, yeah. right? Prior to COVID, it was the second longest-running continuous competition behind the Irish Cup. and A prestigious competition. A prestigious competition. Anybody would want to be a part of. Absolutely. And in the United States, where our top-tier... League does not follow pro rel promotion relegation. Uh, for our parents listening, that's what they taught you in Wrexham about pro rel, <laughs> the soccer pyramid. It is uh, probably the only the only open competition where lower tier teams can play top tier teams and get attention and kind of take on that David versus Goliath story that mm-hmm. we love around football. Now, some people uh, don't really love this competition, namely Major League Soccer. And at the end of this week, in a news dump on Friday, shortly after announcing there'd be no roster rules, no roster rule changes, meaning teams can't spend more on top quality players. You're going to stick with the three DPs. Um, Everything's set up. You know, maybe some rules will shift from Miami. I don't know. They <laughs> seem- <laughs> um, but So there'll be no change in quality in play. But also, you know what? The... Uh, Major League Soccer is going to pull out of the U.S. Open Cup sending their MLS Next Pro teams. And if you're curious um, what that is, it's basically the third-tier team. Now, a little bit about the Open Cup. When we think about history of the game in the U.S., it's often talked about how that's what we're missing. This is the one area where we have it pictured here is the Brooklyn Field Club, the first winners of the U.S. Open Cup from the uh, from the 1913-14 season. A few things I love about this. Is that Photoshop? <laughs> they are two people <laughs> who clearly could not make the photo shoot. Either that or they did something horrible to the Brooklyn Field Club. So they cut out <laughs> their heads and placed them on other figures. And then also the player. Is that the, John F. Kennedy? <laughs> it looks like the one on the left is either John F. Kennedy or Babe Ruth. <laughs> what? And then the player in the front, in front of the Open Cup shield, looks like he's about nine years old. Yeah, he definitely does. Wow. But that's the beauty of this competition. You it know, something like so, that um, happened to me in high school. What, you won the U.S. Open Cup? Yeah, I did. When I was in, no, it was middle school. Somebody in the yearbook photo, my eyes were closed for the team photo, and they copied and pasted somebody else's eyes <laughs> oh, onto no. mine. And it was actually just one eye. So I was like looking to the side. <laughs> One year, I, I think it was junior or senior year, I submitted a picture of uh, Dopey from the Seven Dwarves instead of myself thinking it would be funny. And they ran it. And now it's like, I would look at that. And it's just like, that wasn't even funny. It's not the worst yearbook story I've heard. That's true. But go anyway. on. <laughs> so Brooklyn Field Club, uh, in the beginning of the Open Cup, it was a lot of these small uh, teams often made up by uh, immigrant groups. Um, and then eventually when MLS was formed, 
uh, they started to dominate, but it was a great, always made great storylines because you had teams like Union Omaha coming to Soldier Field to beat the Chicago Fire. Not of a surprise there, but imagine another MLS team got beat by Union Omaha. And there's these great runs, and it's a way to learn about these, these uh, USL teams and other teams. It's a great way for those teams to get exposure to get some financial resources so they can grow to sell merch, to help their players maybe get to MLS or higher. USL has started to sell players directly to Europe. Um, but you know what? Uh, MLS is like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's not too good. And uh, <laughs> we don't like it because here's the deal about MLS. But third graders can't play with the fourth graders. No, you can't. Fourth Where graders? are the seniors? We, you can't have the freshmen play with the seniors. But MLS is a is a um, single entity operation, so it's like the NFL, where it's actually one organization mm-hmm. with different franchises owned by these billionaire owners, um, and they share in profits. And these owners have to pay a large amount of money to get a team, um, and so they're very wary of anything that might ruin that investment. Why? Yeah. That's why there's no pro rel. Could you imagine losing your? Your Your share of the MLS pie? No way. An investment risk? Yeah. And as a risk? As a as a um single entity, the teams are like products. Hmm. And they have kind of they have kind of favorite products. Products in big markets, products that have international recognition, like LAFC. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they cite is, you know, there's too much fixture congestion in our schedule with all of these competitions. There's too many games our teams have to play. I mean, look at LAFC this year. Had to play 53 games, and as a result, they lost to the Columbus Crew, the team that MLS tried to move out of Columbus, the team that booed Commissioner Garber uh, after they won the championship this year. So isn't that interesting? How many games do champions, like Premier League, Champions League teams like Man City play a season? Way more than 53. Way more than 53, right? Here's the difference, is they have roster rules that allow them to have depth to compete uh, in all these competitions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So back to the earlier decision of not expanding roster rules, these teams are not the depth. And the reason they don't want to expand roster rules is because there are still some team owners in the league, older team owners who don't want to invest, just kind of want to take their piece of the pie, sell the high tickets when Messi comes, want to put as little into it. I think these owners have never actually watched complete games or even know the rules. Um, And so they vote against these roster rule expansions because that would cost them more money. So the alternative is like, well, well, how do we deal with this congestion? Let's just cut competition. So MLS said, you know, there's too much fixture congestion because especially when one of our best products, LAFC, loses to the Columbus crew. Here's a funny thing about about that. Um, So... First, I want to point out that MLS didn't say we're totally leaving. We're instead sending our MLS Next Pro teams. Yeah. Now, some people have said, well, what's the big deal? It's just basically like the bench warmers where you could still support your team. It's not the bench warmers. These are development It's basically players. the academy. It's the academy. Yeah. And if you see what is as close to a pyramid as we have in MLS, it's not a true pyramid because you can't move between the levels. But MLS Next Pro is considered a third tier of the professional level. So the bottom tier professional. So those are the players you're sending to send against largely USL championship teams, which are the second level. 
And it doesn't offer anything for those USL teams. It's like they're not going to get any notoriety, um, anything out of playing these other teams. And that's also okay with MLS because last year CBS took over the rights to broadcast mm. and they started really investing in the story of the Open Cup, a great story. And MLS is like, yo, we got this deal with Apple. And they're kind of kind of want to keep it in there yeah. on subscription. So they didn't what like that. What a metaphor. Ugh. What a metaphor. You can only watch the self-contained league on the self-contained streaming service. Yeah, and they start to feel threatened. Yeah. USL has also talked about in, in, implementing ProRel, and hopefully maybe this decision will force that issue. And with USL also signed a deal with CBS, so I think uh, MLS was feeling a little threatened. Mm -hmm. And this is also, some people argue, an attempt to really kill this competition, which is the antithesis of of soccer around the world right it should be yeah for the better of the sport um so back to the fixture congestion what's funny about them saying well u.s open cup too much fixture congestion i would like to remind everyone of <laughs> league's cup the league's cup the brand new competition introduced by mls mid-season this year month long where mls teams play a liga mx teams in an invented tournament that highlighted very well this new young player in MLS, Lionel Messi. Never heard of him. So this one-year competition apparently has more weight than this 110-year competition, but that's not all. Um, teams like uh, uh, Inter-Miami, who have one of our ultimate products. That's my MLS's. birthday. <laughs> Lionel Messi. I'm sorry. I'm like, um, are oh. embarking on, on quite a series of events next year. In addition to they'll still participate in League's Cup, CONCACAF Champions Cup. They're also doing a preseason tour, which will include a visit to Hong Kong, a visit to Saudi Arabia to play Ronaldo's El Hilal. Oh, so they are doing that. They said they weren't. Uh, they said they weren't, and they are. Um, and a visit to Japan. <laughs> <sighs> do you say that Vissel Kobe? How do you say that? Anyway, Kobe. It's a lot of a lot of traveling, a lot of fixture fatigue there. And let's uh, also uh, there's also talk of returning the Copa Interamericana, which is a uh, competition against the supposed champions of the Americas. Except a uh, curious thing about that, it's not the MLS Cup champion, it's the League's Cup champion, which happens to have. Oh. Lionel Messi on the team. To have and let's not forget our favorite. That's my favorite um, no soccer Dior. event. The no I look Dior? forward to it every year. Which one? The Noche Dior. Oh, well, these are all Noche Dior. <laughs> Next year is all Noche Dior. So the fixture congestion, not so much. Mm -hmm. um, it is is clearly this move to undermine undermine this, this best thing about the league. And I am, as someone who's followed soccer in the U.S. For, since the 90s, mm -hmm. um, played and am drawn to football and soccer uh, because of this idea that it offers an opportunity around the world. You know, stories like Wrexham that people fell in love with, mm -hmm. our only, only people watching this are our parents. So you guys love Wrexham, right? <laughs> and I don't know love... if my parents know what Wrexham is. <laughs> It's this well, the story of Wrexham, uh, Ryan Reynolds. They and, don't know who that is either. <laughs> well, it's on. Check it out on FX. But this idea that <laughs> any community can field a team, and uh, despite the state of that community, on this level playing field, if they have players, 
that give it their all, representing their community, and win, they have a chance to move up and ultimately play the top teams in the world. This form of um, of sportsmanship and kind of access that is so hopeful and exciting um, and expansive and counter to our everyday lives, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what's so exciting about soccer and what we love about supporters and the story and makes it such a tantalizing narrative. And this is the exact opposite of that and is trying to kill any opportunity for that to exist in the U.S. just to make money off of Lionel Messi um, and and basically sell teams as uh, marketing brands that you're yeah. supposed to be loyal to. And I don't... It's... I didn't realize how much it bugged me, but it really bugs me because it gets to the root of like, why am I supporting a the veil, U.S. league? The veil is completely so torn boring. away. Yeah. Like, the we all know that clubs are commodities, um, but this is like making it so that it is only a commodity. And it's right? just and it's done in such a blatant way with this with this taunting. Like, what are you going to yeah. do about it? Well, a lot of supporter groups and the Association of Supporter Groups in the U.S. are talking about what to do. And there's talks about boycotting League's Cup, maybe boycotting subscriptions to Apple. We'll see what happens. I think this is a big test in the history of U.S. soccer, how we react. And I also think um, it's important because this week was also a big week on Threads, which is a social platform we use. We don't use X because... Mm -hmm. uh, Europeans were allowed in, so a lot of European clubs, that's why I'm wearing my orange uh, jersey today. Um, and it made me realize it's important for them to pay attention to this too because there's a lot of American ownership in Europe. That's so true. And interest, and they're used to this U.S. structure where you invest, there's no fear of relegation, mm -hmm. it's a closed thing. And it's basically, MLS is is following the Super League model. Yeah, I was going to so say, creative. Super League. What's the difference between this and Super League? Well, the place is much worse. <laughs> but let's move on to other happier news besides the messed up world of American soccer. Let's catch up with two of our favorite teams. What happened yesterday with Leeds United? Oh, Maria? gosh. It was a very physical game. Was and it? it resulted in a draw against Coventry City. Um, Still that, a good result, though. Better than midweek, which was... A loss to Sunderland. So maybe, I don't know if the streaks, they, I mean, they were on a, a hot winning streak. So maybe that's cooled off a little bit, which is eh, They're back still into competing reality. for promotion, really, yeah. really solid position. Yeah. And they're going to head into a little bit of a break. I know championship gets less of a break. Yeah. I think well. the thing about this team is like they really go for it, they take a lot of chances. And if they do get promoted, um, if it's the same team, I hope that there's room for them to kind of grow and mature before that happens because mm -hmm. um, it's it's clear to just watching um, that they probably wouldn't last maybe based on the competition yeah. um, and based on how well like teams like Burnley did last year who are right. now just getting pulverized. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I mean, they're playing great. They're doing great, but they are kind of... Um, it's clear that they are a second-tier team, yeah. even though they're a great second-tier team. So we'll see what happens. So you're saying that maybe promotion isn't the best thing for this team right now? Well, if they weren't promoted, I don't know if the team itself, if the organization at the club has the power to keep its players. Mm. I don't know if they could keep Somerville 
They probably couldn't keep Nyonto. But they have that great American ownership. Maybe they'll move to MLS. <laughs> Maybe they'll move to MLS. <laughs> um, and then the other hallowed uh, European team of the Footing Museum, uh, at time of recording, had not completed their game, but we're up 4-0 against Azit Akmar in uh, the Eredivisie. Uh, and a, it's a goal by American uh, national team player, uh, Sergino Dest, um, assisted by Malik Tillman from the U.S. national team. Oh, very f- awesome. And there's rumors yeah. that um, uh, Matthew Robinson from Atlanta United, also U.S. national team player, might also go over to PSV, which, of course, the sporting director of that team is Ernie Stewart, formerly of U.S. soccer. So there's one good thing in U.S. soccer, and it's taking place in the Netherlands. <laughs> they were up 4-0. <laughs> they continue their perfect season. Um, so other <laughs> Premier League action today. First comment, the double sweater. Man. I I'm I've always been a big admirer of pep sweaters. Really? That um, is a lot. But that is this is a layering choice. Um it's it's not enough of a jacket sweater to layer with such a chunky knit underneath. Yeah. It. I feel like maybe there was the Man City holiday party the night before and he kind of just rolled out of bed. Because uh, I I bet if you zoom in on that sweater, it has a lot of pills on it too. Really? It looks like I don't know if it does. I'm just saying it looks like it's a pilly sweater. Have you ever Googled like the things that he wears? Like, oh, that's a nice looking sweater. Google just to see. Oh, the cost. Well, you know, he there's footage of him being a model. Oh, really? Yeah, you I believe look that. It up. He is a handsome man, but he also, I think, intentionally dresses to show his level of respect for his opponents. And um, in this case, this weekend he played. Um, Sparkly young coach Roy Hodgson's <laughs> Crystal Palace. He's in the seventies. Uh, he, he looks like he looks so confused out there, but he was smiling at the end of the game because Man City gave up a two-zero lead. Oh, I can't believe it! And drew two-two, and they continue their poor form. They are without Erling Holland and still without Kevin De Bruyne, but yeah. it's still so fun to watch. Also today, we had uh, Jurgen Klopp take on Eric Ten Hag and what was probably the most boring <gasps> Liverpool so Man United game ever. Um, so much so I had time to make these little renderings <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the Christmas spirit. Oh man, it was boring. It was, but the kids, I love those uh, United the kids, the long sleeve with the classic devil, United. simple, really but killing again, it. red on front, black letters in the back. Yeah, they mm. maybe kids yeah. of the season in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and uh, more difficult news uh, oh. in a Town's match this weekend. Luttentown, who've been playing really above their level, um, there was a scary moment where the team captain, Tom Lockyer, actually had a heart attack yeah. on the field. They uh, canceled the rest of the game, postponed it. Um, luckily, he's alive, okay, recovering, but it was a scary moment, so definitely thoughts with Tom Lockyer. Um yeah, just really scary. And then finally, um, <laughs> trying to keep our little recap short with this picture shared with the world from Men in Blazers from Wrexham's 2-1 victory over, as you say, Colchester is two Colchester supporters in cheap Santa suits drunkenly taunting young Wrexham fans <laughs> outside um, the Wrexham Stadium. What do you make of this this holiday season, Bria? Maria's just taking it in. I love how the one Santa, it's such a cheap suit, he didn't even button the back. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out what it is. And how did that other Santa get his hat to be so pointy? It's a very Grinch-like uh, pointy hat. It is. 
I bring that up because we will not be here for um, the next week um, because it will be a holiday next weekend. Um, and so anything you'd like to wish our listener for the holiday season? You're going to see them. Hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> um, I'll see you in a couple days. We will have one, one pod coming out later this week where we look at some of the um, top supporter actions of the year. That's correct. That's right. And you know what? I love this this outfit so much. I'm going to wear the same thing. How about you? I've burned all my other clothes. <laughs> okay. We'll see you then. <laughs>